Hi, everyone. Just a really quick note on scheduling before the beginning of this episode for those of us who don't follow us on Twitter. Uh, first, really sorry for getting this post read out so late. We had some technical difficulties. Uh, hopefully, the sound quality is not too bad, uh, but we're sorry about that. Computer crashed in the middle of it, and there's you know only so much we can do. Uh, also, we are not going to have a book in June. We will still be posting episodes. We have several book tour episodes already recorded and edited and ready to go in the coming weeks. Uh, Matt and I are also going to record and post a bonus episode or two, but he and I are both just too busy to have our usual read an entire book do two episodes about it. Uh, it's just not going to happen this month. So we will be back in July. We already have a book chosen that we're both really excited about. Thanks for that. Sorry. Like I said, we will be back in July with our normal stuff. And um, with that, please enjoy this very fun episode that we did with uh, Jenny from Reading the End. Um, I hope you really like it. And if you do ever want you know, more updates on our scheduling, you can follow us at Pod on Twitter. Uh, I try to post updated schedules there whenever I know them. But uh, yeah, hope you enjoy this episode. See you soon. Hello, and welcome to Spectology, the science fiction book club podcast. I'm your host, Adrian. I'm Matt. And I'm Jin Jenny, and my podcast partner, Whiskey Jenny, couldn't be with us today due to technical difficulties, unfortunately. But we are all here. We will miss Whiskey Jenny. We but will. We have read the book. Uh, what is First, we should do what is Spectology. Spectology is a science fiction book club podcast. We read books. We talk about them. We have cool guests on, like our guests this, this month. The Jenny from cool. Reading the End. Today, we have a Jenny from Reading the End. Yeah. <laughs> do you want to introduce cool. yourself just briefly? Oh, yeah. Sorry, Matt. No, I was just going to uh, say yeah. it's, it's a okay. weird... Please, There's definitely a big delay on your end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I, I, I will warn everyone that my computer is a disaster today. And so there's a possibility that it will be a disaster <laughs> in a way that affects the listeners. So I'm sorry. They love you. You're plowing ahead. Uh, yeah, so I'm Jen Jenny from Reading the End. Uh, my dear friend, Whiskey Jenny, and I uh, do a books podcast together. Um, and she has been, as I said, having some uh, weather-related technical difficulties. So she currently has no power, unfortunately. Pour one out for Whiskey Jenny. Um, but yeah, so we, we talk. <laughs> Same, honestly. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, we do miss you, Whiskey Jenny. Yeah, yeah. I miss you so much, Whiskey Jenny. <laughs> she's also she's also on um like brief hiatus from the podcast because quarantine is kind of getting on top of her um so i also just you know miss her generally in podcasting not just today but very fair always. very yeah. fair she is not alone in that so <laughs> oh god <laughs> by by no means <laughs> we read a book we read zen Cho's the true queen oh wow <laughs> i just realized what that title means <laughs> I haven't thought about the title since finishing the book. <laughs> Let me just say, it says the words "the true queen" like sixteen times in the actual text of the book. <laughs> right? No, I'm really that. That is the thing I became very well aware of while saying that. <laughs> this is a good um, and sloppy episode. Um, oh yeah, no, problem, this is you know the problem that we always face when when we do podcasts with Jenny's who whom we love is that we like them too much, and it makes it makes all the pods. <laughs> too much fun 
And, you know, for us, it's like a problem. Nobody's going to want to listen to the other pods. Like, why would they, why would they do that? <laughs> you should still do that, though. That's ridiculous. Right. Every podcast is gold. Solid gold. <laughs> yeah, I think we have only, only, only gold. Um, so Zen chose the true queen. <laughs> we all read it. <laughs> I feel weird we because Whiskey Jenny was actually the one who suggested the book, yeah. wasn't she? No, it was me. It was I. Oh, it was you. Yeah. Okay. I thought it was, but it was you for like her sake. Yeah, it was partly, I mean, it was because I knew she was also going to be interested. Yeah. Yeah. And You I, were being like the Muna to her Sapti. <laughs> <laughs> That's ridiculous because if anyone is the Sapti in this relationship, it is certainly me. <laughs> I know, I know. That's, that's, that's amazing. I really like thinking of you guys as Muna and Sapti. That's, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> Although hopefully I don't cause Whiskey Jenny as much trouble as Sapti causes Muna. Um, okay, so I can, I can say what this is about. This is a book about two sisters, Sakti and Muna, who wash up on the shores of Jandabike with no memories um, and they're taken in by this sorceress who promises to help them um, but because of reasons she has to send them off to England um, to be assisted by the sorceress royale who she says will help them get their memories back um, mm-hmm. so they have to walk to get to England um, instead of taking a boat they have to walk through basically the realms of fairy to get there because that'll be quicker but unfortunately it's not quicker at all ultimately efficiency wise because when they're on the way there Sakti gets taken she disappears off the path so Muna gets to England on her own and the whole rest of the book she's like "Ah, I have to find my sister I have to get her back but there's lots of kind of political considerations that uh, are kind of in the way of that and so Mm. it's about what happens to them after that right and Sakti is magical but Muna is not so when she shows up, she doesn't have magic, and she needs to find how to like fake it till right. she can make the it. reason they were, magical you know, part of the school. Yeah, part of the reason they were going there was to enroll in this magical academy for women. Um, and uh, she, you know, can't actually do magic, so she has to somehow fake it. Yeah. Okay. So this was my pick. So I'm very, very curious to hear what y'all thought of it. <laughs> can I? Can yeah. I go first? You want to? Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah I first. loved it. I read it in one sitting. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm so, 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 so sad Whiskey Jenny isn't here for this oh. because as she mentioned in the last podcast, she recommended Sorcerer of the Crown to her book club and everyone hated it and she was really yeah. crushed. That's so lame. I don't understand why that would possibly happen. Like I know. This book is, um, it's like if you are worried that you're going to have a bad day, just like it's like a pill you can take to not have a bad day and instead you'll have a good day. <laughs> it's drugs. It's movies drugs. <laughs> it's wonderful. I really liked it a lot. Um, I thought I would because I like stuff like this. Um, you know, we talked about comparisons in the last episode. Those are all true. Mm. I really want to read the book one now. My one worry is, I, you know, having read this book, I worry that book one, because this is the second book in a sort of, you know, disconnected series where they're each sort of supposedly standalone books. But I worry that book one has been somewhat spoiled for me because book two includes a lot of information about what I presume happened in book one. <laughs> and Jenny is nodding her head. I'm nodding very shamefacedly because I did not realize this when I uh, recommended this book and now I feel a little bit bad. It's totally standalone though. I mean, you don't have to have read anything to come to this book. And when you finish it, it will be cathartic. You will feel good. It will feel like an ending. Yeah. Yeah, I actually had completely forgotten that there was a book one. And so it, it absolutely holds up without needing anything yeah. else. 
Uh, is book one about the the a magical academy? Like, is all the background in England what happens in book one then? Um, partly. Book one is basically about um, Prunella, who's the sorceress royal in this right. book. Um, so it's about her before she attains that position. Um, I see. And also about uh, Zacharias' wife, her husband in this book, her but of course right. not. Yeah, not in the previous okay. book. So it's about them. Um, and there's a couple of other characters that show up in the first book. Um, Oh, I'm trying to remember who all they were. I mean, uh, Rolo. Uh, I, she might. I don't remember. I don't remember if she does or not. Um, but Rolo Threlfall does. Oh, and, of course he does. Yeah. <laughs> love, love Rolo. And um, Rolo is great. And and his boyfriend slash husband um, is also yeah. in the previous. Right. So uh, before we slash like polycule mate. Adrian, what did you think? Yes. Um, I feel bad. No, no, because, no. So, <laughs> so my take on, like, there was this thing on Twitter recently that was this, like, quadrant, which is, like, you know, on, like, one level is, like, books that are good versus, like, I like them versus didn't, and books that are good, like, I, you know, are badly constructed versus, like, well-constructed. And I feel this very much sits in the, like, I recognize this book is good, but, like, it wasn't quite for me. Um, I enjoyed it well enough, but, like, not really what, like... I will probably not really think about this book again. Like, and that is not to say like, Oh, it was really terrible or I really hated reading it, but it's definitely like not the kind of book I read. Um, and that showed. And I think too, like I got really annoyed by this thing that would happen frequently. And as I thought back on your episode recently, Jenny on your, your main podcast about like what makes a comfort read. Oh, sure. I was realizing like, oh, this very much fits into the like, it's like humor in books or comfort read in books where it's like the very thing that is like perfect for one person is just like a major turnoff for another person. Mm-hmm. And I kind of felt that way reading this where like a lot like, right, I knew that they weren't sisters, but were like a split object of the same pair literally page one like i figured that out (laughs) and so for me the experience of reading it and them not being able to see it was like supreme annoyance (laughs) as opposed to like being like oh i know how it's going to like end in the end it was rather like why can't you see this it's very obvious (laughs) which is not like a dig against the book but rather like a thing about the way my brain works when like consuming this kind of stuff um and so but i did really i really like the characters i really i really liked rolo He's he's the best. He is objectively, um, and Georgiana, of course, the aunt is the aunt dragon. Is a oh yeah, love the aunt dragon. <laughs> oh, I aspire oh, to man. be like her as an aunt. She, I don't know why is. anyone wouldn't aspire to be like her. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I like recently feel like I. It's a choice. I recently feel like I achieved the pinnacle of being an aunt, and but then I read this book and I was like, oh, actually, <laughs> there's so much more to aspire to. You yeah. could have um, the ability to eat anything like that threatened you you know any enemy you know that could be yours yeah she's an amazing aunt i think um i think as good as she is of an aunt like it's actually i make a joke i don't actually really aspire to be an aunt like her i would kind of like to be a sister like muna but i don't think i'm quite there it's tough to be like muna muna is basically the like platonic form of sisterhood i mean all she does is worry about her sister when her sister's in trouble that's hard i mean I have a sibling. <laughs> I, was... <laughs> yeah, I definitely don't think of my sibling that way at all. I was going to say, like, my, my sisters are all fine now. I have three sisters. Um, but I have definitely been that person for a while. Yeah. Mm. Wait, which life. person? Mm. 
Georgiana. The good sister. The good, <laughs> right. the good non-trouble-causing right. sister. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good. Okay. Right. <laughs> so I guess the real question is, are you an Amelia, a Henrietta, a Charlotte, or a... Clarissa. What was, are what you was a Clarissa? The, no, no, Clarissa. <laughs> no, the four si- Henrietta is four sisters. Right, 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 four, yeah. right, three right. sisters. Um, Clarissa is not one of them. No, very definitively not. not. That's true. That's true. There were a lot of characters in this book. I'm surprised by how many names I actually remember. There was so once impressed. or twice where like there was clearly a thing. Like, know what it was? It was at the very end. This is full spoilers from the get go. Oh, okay. By the way, the uh, you know, our, yeah, our, our our audience hopefully knows that. That's usually how we do these. Um, I also don't think that the spoilers in this book are super. And I say this. Not as a criticism at all. I don't think the spoilers in this book are super consequential because I think yeah. the experience no. of reading it is just yeah. like totally. a lovely delight. So totally. right, it's not a like page turner in the sense of like, oh, how is this plot going to resolve itself? Yeah. But it, I found it to be um, totally a page turner, nonetheless. Yeah, I read it in like three sittings myself, so I actually don't disagree with that either. I found it very easy to like just sit and like read for two hours, which is like the only time I've done that in quarantine. So, <laughs> you know, in that, in that again, well constructed, just not my kind of thing. Sure, totally. <laughs> but there was towards the end, there was one point when when Henny mentions that she's like going to like marry Mr. Dem- Demel. Mr. Dremel, what's his face? Right. Mr. The, the Rolo's husband. Damerol, yeah. Yeah, and it was like, it was definitely, that was the point where I was like, oh, I'm clearly supposed to be shocked by this information, but like, which one is this guy again? Because I just do not remember. <laughs> he was the one, he was the one by that awesome scene when he was getting rescued, when he was like talking about poetry. No, no, I, I, I know who he, he is now, crack. right? No, no, I know, I know, but I'm, this is an excuse to talk about that scene, which I love. Um, he, <laughs> uh, okay, okay, fair, fair, fair. Um, I thought you were like telling me, like, no, the whole point, I get it now, but I don't. No, I know you get it. Um, he had, he had the scene where he, he talks about poetry while being in a cage, like uh, held by dragons. And oh, right, it was, right. It was a great scene because normally I really identify with the dragon, but it, you know, this was like a, a measure of how great that scene was that I identified simultaneously with the dragon and the prey. I mean, talk, talk about mm. talk about what would I want out of a book. I want a book that has so, dragons in it, and it makes me love the dragons and the prey equally. So this is this is the like final like you know like I don't I don't want to like bitch and moan about this book. This is like the final like bit of like why I had a hard time with it that I'll like do, which was that like another thing about this book that actually really like that in, in particular in that like I kind of wanted to comfort read and it seems kind of designed to be a comfort read, but it like really prevented it from being a comfort read for me is all of the like scenes of like oh well like this dragon's just gonna like eat someone and we're like gonna just kind of laugh it off like that shit actually really bothers me in fiction like that's the kind of thing that really really throws me off and like like and it's a particular kind of thing in like fairy tale-esque fiction that shows up a lot I feel like where it's like oh this little thing is sentient but I'm just going to like just snuff out its life force anyway (laughs) I'm like man I just couldn't handle how much that was happening in this book and like like, I never do I never can deal with that in books and like this had a a lot of that let me say this. Let me say this. Just don't read Sorcerer to the Crown. <laughs> okay. Ouch. Um, I, I hear what you're saying. I think to me, I found something immensely charming. I mean, I haven't really said what I thought about this book overall. Yeah, but like, yeah, I, think should, it's, I think it's pretty clear that I really, really dug it. <laughs> right. um, yeah, I, I was, I was <laughs> like that. I just had, I had such a fun time reading it. I was so delighted every time I sat down to read it. Um, I really liked Sorcerer to the Crown. I think I liked this one even more. Um, oh, that's good but 
Yeah. But there's something, and I, I found this in Sorcerer of the Crown as well, except Sorcerer of the Crown had a maybe more distressing version of this. But I kind of liked the abrupt tonal shift from like, oh, it's a charming Regency comedy of manners to like <laughs> bloody death for everyone. <laughs> yeah. So it definitely was, you know, this is a perhaps you were referring to the end of this book where people get real killed. <laughs> Yeah. Well, so I don't actually mind the bloody death. Like, the bloody death is not what I mind. You minded her what, eating her sister in cold blood? I hear you. No, no. The, I wasn't thinking of that at all. I was thinking I was thinking of when Rolo mentions that, like, oh, yes, these, like, people were, like, guarding this thing, so I had to eat them. And then that's all that's ever mentioned of it. And he's still, like, jolly old Rolo. It's like, that's the kind of thing. Or it's like, there's the there's the imps that are just lamps. Like, that shit fucks me. Like, I don't I don't like that at all. Like, that, <laughs> that was, like I, I go and have a... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I get it. I get it. I get it. But like, but like, but that, that it's not the like, oh, there's a big bloody battle and like there's death and even like some casualty. Like some of that is like, I don't love, but like I can deal with that a lot more easily than it is like, oh, Rolo like ate the guards, but like, are they even people? Like, do we know? Like, I don't know. Like, I just, I just can't stop thinking about those guards. For the, like, rest of reading the book. I mean, okay. I shouldn't laugh, right? Because, like, what you're doing is making an argument in favor of sentient life and against wanton death. And yeah. I should really be on your side, but I yeah, obviously I agree with you in, in principle. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. No, and I'm, I don't. I, I'm not making a moral argument here. I'm saying that like my brain can't stop fixating on that detail, and it's been hours now, and I'm still thinking yeah. about you're, it you're, 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 you're absolutely making a moral argument it's fine that's fine there's nothing wrong with making no, 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 no. i'm making a purely emotional like but what were they and what happened to them argument? <laughs> <laughs> this is literally what are the children except that instead of children it's no but you're, so, you're right though like i think you're 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 right like I, i'm not in, in elementary school i like was convinced that like things were alive like i don't oh, talk sure. about this a lot but like to like 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 straight up convinced that like things had like life force and like would get very upset when like things got broken oh you mean um, and i think like you know objects yeah like looking back on it this clearly had some uh, element of like you know growing up really poor and like objects had like value and like you know if something breaks you can't replace it that kind of thing but also like you know i remember being like like if if like my parents would like mistreat like the toaster i would like feel bad for the toaster right like i really oh, God, like same. identified with like just things and there was this book like you know it, like we'd have these book fairs in elementary school and i remember there was this book that ended up being about this where like, like the book was that like, Oh, actually things are alive and they're aliens. And this one kid like finds out that all the like things are actually aliens and actually alive. And only like he can talk to them and he like helps them like escape our world or something. And there's like one scene in this book where like they're driving in a car and there's like trash bags in the back of the car, but the trash bags are actually things too. Like they're aliens. And like they're in a chase and one of the trash bags, like on purpose, like jumps out of the car and like lands on the windshield oh, of the car man. that's chasing them and like bursts <gasps> apart. And like, you know, and like, you know, and just all it looks like to any passerby is just like a trash bag, like falls out of the back of a truck and like, you know, covers the like window of this other car. But like, but the, you know, boy talks about like the valiant sacrifice of this one trash bag to like oh, save everyone man. else, you know, because it's like its choice. And it's like that still fucks me up. I was like eight when i read yeah, this thing well, and i still think about it i feel like a lot of children's media though is like geared to fuck up little like anxious ocd kids 
Like, remember well, the Brave yeah. Little Toaster? Yeah, exactly. Brave Little yeah. Toaster. Remember that yeah. fucking shit? That's a sad-ass yeah. movie. Well, I think this stuff works. We were talking about why the red fern grows in the last yeah, episode, too. So, like, And, <laughs> like, actual war. And <laughs> Anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, I was going to say, I think the reason that stuff works is because it's getting it really deep reality. You know, it's getting at these like deep yeah. intuitions that people share. It's getting at these like profound emotions that children like feel deeply and have not yet learned to like push aside. You know, I don't right. think there's anything like what I was saying, like I don't think there's anything wrong with like I really mean it. Like this type of, you know, like reflective empathy is awesome and I think it's really good. And like I I do sometimes worry like if I'm watching one of the many terrible action movies that i enjoy watching like mm-hmm. oh man like mm-hmm. as the body count like kicks up you know like as the as the like it's like one of those scoreboards at a baseball stadium the old school totally uh manual where you have to flip sure. the card the right. cards keep flipping cards. you know yeah. like bodies are flying everywhere and i'm like laughing and like drinking <laughs> beer you know and watching <laughs> and, like sitting on a couch you know and it's like that um, the 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 lack of feeling in that scene, I think, is definitely more troubling yeah. to me than you are feeling in a scene where perhaps you were not like intended by the author to have that feeling. Oh yeah, no. well, well, I guess my point, like, I don't, I don't feel ashamed of my feelings so much as I, you know, like, also don't want to judge other people for their feelings yeah. in regards to this stuff. It's really Can an I, interesting. I said, like, yes, please do, please Can I tell do. You don't let us. Going to really fuck you up. it's from the it's from the of diana win jones my favorite author this 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 haunts me to this day in one of her books it's like a magic world and one of the things in the magic world is that the gingerbread men in this magic world um jump off the pan once they're cooked and they run away and and so when you catch them you're like ha! i've caught you so you like feel good about eating them because you like they put up a fight and you caught them and then Uh you eat them that's not the part that's going to fuck you up here's what it is Okay, so the main character and his sister live with this witch, and she's not a very good witch. So when she makes gingerbread men and does this to them, they're like, they're bad at it and they can't run away. So they just like lie on the pan, waving their arms around a little bit. Oh my God. That's so horrifying. I read this book when I was probably 13 or 14, wow. like old enough to know better. And like it, it really just lives in my mind. Yeah, no, that's a definite live in your mind. Situation. I can't even enjoy like a regular gingerbread man cookie because it's no, all I can, like I can that, just picture them in the pan. Like that is next but just, level. Just that scene. So my cat caught a mouse the other night. Matt oh, knows this because like I was late to a thing because of it. And like, you know, like she fucked it up kind of bad. So, you know, I had to like deal with it. But also like, you know, I feel bad because she's like proud of herself and she like brings it to me, you know. And I'm like also like happy there's one fewer mouse. Like I don't want mice. Totally. Like fuck mice. They're fucking awful, you know. And so like good. But also like it's this like poor little fucked up mouse, you know. It's like half of its side is like slashed open because she's been biting it and stuff. But it's also like alive. And like she brings it over to me and it's like, aren't I a good, good, good one? And I'm like, well, yes, you are. Thank you. But also like Jesus Christ. <laughs> You're like 70% of a good one. Cat. <laughs> right, right, right. It's like you have done nothing wrong, oh, but man. also, but then she like, you know, she brings it over. She's like pawing around, like she's kind of parading around in circles yeah. with it. Yeah. And then like eventually just like sets it down on the carpet. She's like, <laughs> yeah, you know. And then like, 
goes and like walks over like a foot or two and like <clears throat> turns around and like kind of like plops down and just like looks at it and starts yeah. like going like meow right and it's just that moment of like she's staring it in its eyes just being like you know like say what again right? like yeah, double dare exactly. you right just exactly. like like just move once for me so i can fucking catch you all over again i'm like oh so i have to like go and like you know pick it up and you know like humanely dispose of it and everything I just like oh i too had to beat a mouse to death with a bike lock one time Oh, I didn't do that. I just suffocated it. This is like it was unpleasant. This is like yeah, that tearing, sounds very unpleasant. Tearing the very thin tissue paper veil that separates our like normal waking routines from the incredible harshness of nature. Like, oh, sure. <laughs> right. There's, there's yeah. just a lot of violence in the world, guys. Our cells, yeah, no, absolutely. Our violent explosions <laughs> of proteins. Like everything is violent. <laughs> Well, actually, so, okay, this is actually something that I found quite interesting and good about the book is that, um, and I felt this way about Sorcerer of the Crown, too, <laughs> um, is that we, we talked last time about how it was really nice for me um, to anticipate a book that had all the good things about historical fiction from this time period, um, but without requiring me to ignore the bad things like yeah. transatlantic mm-hmm. slavery and, and cultural mm-hmm. imperialism. And I think that um, kind of the way that this book sometimes talks about uh magical creatures mm-hmm. has some of that same like casual humorous callousness yeah that real books from this time had about real actual humans um mm. and it, i just thought it was an interesting uh kind of repurposing of that yeah uh, yeah and so i just i don't know i just found that really like interesting and enjoyable and i would be mm-hmm. delighted if future books unpacked that more yeah right i think yeah, yeah i think go ahead, go ahead matt please please oh, well I, you know, so it's interesting because, like, I think you know, one of the core things we've kind of been dancing around this a lot. Like, one of the one of the ways that comfort works, I think, is that you set up a reality that isn't real reality that has different rules, and like, you know what the rules are, and they're like very straightforward, and they're not going to hurt you, and you just relax. (laughs) And it's possible to interrogate those like, simple comfort rules, even when, you know, you don't, you know, feel sort of emotionally, like, need to do so, you can still, like, pick it apart, and it, it might indeed be worth doing, all, you know, it may always be worth doing. Um, it's interesting to me to, like, take, uh, like, a, a beautiful, like, uh, uh, music box, you know, with all these, like, intricate little moving parts, and it's, like, this small, you know, self-contained box, which is sort of how I felt about this book. It's like this beautiful music box, and it opens it, it makes a song, and every time you open it, it's the same song, and it's a great song. Great. But if you take it apart, you know, you can learn some, you, you, you have, a, a, like, a qualitative experience that is just so completely different from actually reading it, which is not true of every great book. Like, when we talk about books that are, like, you know, when we talk about, um, we did, uh, uh, Unkindness of Ghosts last year. Oh, mm-hmm. sure. Oh, gosh, and yeah, okay. that is a book that, that on its face is like a sort of traditional fantasy narrative or traditional sci-fi narrative, I guess, um, uh, about political revolution and like, you know, overthrowing a terrible government and all these things. But it's because it is very interested in like depicting the raw reality of like lived experience in terrible situations. Um, and so it, I found that yeah. book 
really comforting and then realizing this thing well well okay i mean like that's that's i like keep going so i just i just had this like like light bulb moment go off but like this is something that um renee and i talked about a little bit but like i would have liked to get into more is that sometimes very distressing books can be really comforting because the the notion is the sort of triumph of the human spirit anyway sorry no i think it's i mean like i like a good comfy mystery and what happens in a comfy mystery like necessarily well murder murder right right right. (laughs) that's a classic example of the thing that adrian was originally referring to the like very casual like almost like often humorous like killing of a sentient (laughs) thing for like no purpose except our entertainment right like that's like the the worst part is that you know that the purpose of it the purpose of this death is to make you happy (laughs) 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 it's like super brutal when you think of it that way but Right. I do understand. Although yeah. the thing with a murder mystery is that like the person becomes the center of everything. Like learning about them and who they are or were becomes like a very important part of the murder mystery. Sometimes. Not all only, the time. Uh, yeah, <laughs> sometimes and only as a puzzle, only yeah. as an intellectual exercise. Right. I, I think the, the classic company. I mean, I view everything as an intellectual yeah. puzzle. So. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think this. Go ahead. No, that's okay. I don't know what I was going to say anyway. No, I was just going to say the, the, the classic comfy mystery is not necess- is not super character driven. I think <laughs> um, it's like super puzzly. But but so no. the original thing that I was going to say about um, Unpensive Ghost versus um, uh, the True Queen is like you know there are books that sort of prime you to take them apart, and the taking apart is the, the same kind of pleasure that you get from the book itself. And this is not one of those books. This is a book that to me is like. It's, it's, um, well, maybe it is actually, maybe I'm arguing myself into the exact opposite thing that I was originally <laughs> going to say. <laughs> Love it. Oh man. Maybe that's true. Like, it's like even taking apart this comfy book is like kind of taking, taking apart a book exercise actually, mm. because, um, you know, we, we don't have to, I, I don't, I don't feel that bad taking this book apart because oh. it was so fun and all the pieces are fun. And if we talk about colonialism, anti-colonialism, we can talk about like, you know, this incredible Malaysian witch who, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. like we don't have to have a conversation about anti-colonialism that does not feature any interesting characters. Like we have some, you know, multiple ones, and and so we can have the conversation about anti-colonialism like in the sh- in the in the in the comfort of these like fun characters. So actually, you know, I, I think I'm all the way around to the opposite position. I think that this book is actually really especially fun to take apart yeah i mean i think i think what you were saying what i took from what you were saying though is that like and i think maybe i agree is that like it's not that the book isn't fun to take apart it's that like there's books where it's like the taking apart is the point and then books where the reading is the point and the taking apart can be kind of like a separate enjoyable activity but it's not necessarily like the design of the thing it's also true I think that's not quite what I would, that's not where I was going, but that is also okay. true, I think. What would you say is a book where taping, taking it apart is the point? I, th- I think Unkindness of Ghosts is a relatively good example where like, you know, it is the, the, you're not supposed to stick it is making, it at you, I think. Right. It is making a like political point that it wants you to like grapple with. It wants really you to fight with it. It wants deeply. you to grapple with it. Like, right. Like really think about it, you know? You don't think this one's making a political point? I think it is, but it's not, it's not like the, it's not like grabbing you and like, it doesn't want to wrestle, right? Sure. It wants to yeah, talk to sure. you, you know? That's, right. that's exactly, the, exactly. Yeah. 
it is i feel like it not that it's happy for you to ignore the political point but like the like the politics of it are or like like first it's telling you a story about these two like sisters and their adventures Right. And like the other stuff is not like ancillary to that, but is like wrapped up within that package as opposed to like that being the thing that it's bringing first. It's attacking from the side, not from the front. Right. I do. Um, I, I actually, Jenny, I would be really curious because like, you know, on your podcast, you like solved what makes a comfort read. And like, I feel like I, I've mentioned, like I, I, you know, we've, we've got it. Yeah. Like we, <laughs> we, we have, we have mentioned this a few times. Like, would you mind like maybe setting the table of like, kind of like your thesis on that? Cause I feel like that's actually a useful thing for us all to kind of have together and our audience as well. Well, I think what we solved was not so much the problem of what makes a comfort read, but I think we solved what one of the necessary conditions is for a comfort read, mm. which is that the person going into the comfort the person doing the reading has to know what to expect out of it or it won't be comforting because if you go into a book thinking it's going to be a comfort read in the way that um i'm trying to think of examples of comfort reads in my own life if i go into a book expecting it to be the kind of comfort read that the true queen is and it's actually the kind of comfort read that robin mckinley's sunshine is there's going to be a really serious gap between my expectations and reality so what's important actually is to know which um (laughs) <laughs> which pleasure center the thing is going to be pinging totally before you get sense. into it. That's basically what our mm, conclusion right. was. Mm. I think that that jives with my experience. I'm not sure that's a sufficient condition, but I do think it's a necessary condition. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wise. Cryptic crack. Yeah. <laughs> that's my <laughs> high school logic class talking. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's really great. I like, um, what I like about that is that, like, you know, obviously there's lots of things you can enjoy that aren't comfort reads. But I think that is exactly what, you know, you think about the nights, you come home, you're tired, you just can't anymore, you know, no more (laughs) spoons, right? What do you do? Like, what what media do you go to? What story do you want to hear? Not a night when you're like full of energy and you're like raring to like check out that cool thing that you've been hearing about. Not that. That's different. It's the times when you really just want a hug via media, you know, and and that really is the case. Like, you know, if you want a hug and instead you get like, you know, a judo class, <laughs> you could be like the most judo obsessed person in the world and that would not work out. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. So, or like when you go to drink a thing of water and it turns out it's Sprite and it just tastes like the nastiest uh, thing you've ever had in your mouth. And it's not like barf. I like Sprite, but that experience is so unpleasant. Oh, right, right, right. Well, especially, yeah, it's like, or when you go to drink Sprite and it turns out it's like seltzer. Ooh. Yeah, disgusting. Oh, oh Right. And I, I love sel- I love yeah, drinking uh, seltzer like water, but like that is, that is not a fun experience mm-hmm. at all. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm like physically a, shuddering thinking about yeah. it. Yeah, I I'm curious. So like Matt, you refer to comfort reading as like stuff you want to read when you like want a hug from what you're reading, yeah. right? Which Jenny, which is is that also how you would re- like describe like like comfort reading? Um, I'm not a big hugger, so <laughs> it's tough for me to say. <laughs> okay, I'm a big hugger. Okay. <laughs> this is another reason why I'm the Sakti of my podcast. Um, <laughs> that begs the question. <laughs> who of the two of us is the Sakti? 
I don't, I don't think either of us have talked to your moon there, actually. I don't yeah, think I don't we think fit that same we're not that, that dynamic, thing, yeah. no. I don't no, actually, no. I don't think Whiskey Jenny and I do either. We're both, like, so excited about, like, I, I think we're both kind of, right. like... She's nicer than me, but not by the like differential that Satya and Moon are. <laughs> I really wish she were here so that she could like you know push back at that in a more sincere way. Like if I say if I say if I say oh that's bullshit, it doesn't sound as good as if she said it. You know? Yeah, no, totally, totally. Yeah, she's the nicest human. <laughs> True story. Um, I forgot what your initial question was. Oh, does comfort reads mean that it feels like a hug? Um, I think. Yeah, like what do you want out of a comfort read emotionally? It varies. I mean, it really varies. What? I think. Sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, what drink is a comfort read? If not a hug, you know. Um, probably, this is going to be so mushy. And if Whiskey Jenny listens to this, she's going to be like, oh, Jenny, come on. But it's true. Um, I think for me, a comfort read of a drink is a Malbec because red wine mm, means it's cool moi. outside. I'm making the sort of moi hand gesture. Moi. Yeah. A of right. all. Secondly, when I lived uh, with Whiskey Jenny, one of our things that when we work together, one of our things that we would do with other friends from work is go out to drink at this one bar and their happy hour drink was a Malbec. So I just have like really fond memories mm-hmm. of going to this bar and getting happy hour Malbec with Whiskey Jenny. Mm, yeah. So it's like a nice, easy wine. Yeah. Too. You know, it's Who like a mal- it? it's not going to like it's not going to challenge you too hard, but it's also not going to be shitty. Yeah, it's just. Yeah. fucking pleasant and right. i think this is a good opportunity to say why is being challenged the thing that is best you know like why well but, well so so this is this is the thing that like matt when you said like you know you're like talking about the places where you would want a comfort read and then you're like i just want a hug and i'm like oh this is what's different about me and my comfort reads or watches or whatever because when i'm in that situation i just want to cry oh, right yeah. like like that's that's for me is like that's a situation where it's yeah. like Oh yeah, I'm gonna put on like you know like something like profound and moving and like will bring me to tears instead of something where I, I feel cannot. like warm and like hugged by it. That would Can be you give painful. me an example of something that you would put on when you were in that mood? Yeah, like uh, <laughs> um, you know, one of the last episodes we did, I talked about the Fountain by Darren Aronofsky. I can't believe that's not a comfort. Like, that's not a comfort watch. Yeah, it's absolutely that a comfort so watch sad. for me. It's about, or I also <sighs> think of like the OA. Like the OA was a total comfort uh-huh. watch for me. So, like I just loved that say, shit. In the Fountain. Bojack Horseman is like a huge comfort watch for I me. I can see that. I mean, that it's yeah. funny, but it's like I get really, really sad when I watch it. I don't think I would. It sounds horrible. Yeah. I, no, I like it. I would go to Bojack <laughs> for comfort. That's the thing. I definitely want. To go to there with one laugh, but but let's say about the fountain. Like the fountain is a is a story about like, one of the parts of the fountain is a story about a guy whose wife is slowly dying of cancer. Oh. Yeah, it's very comforting, right? <laughs> well, I think maybe then that our definition was incomplete, and what we should have said is you have an emotional state in mind that you want to be in, yeah. and, and you I want think something that induces of... that state, and the, and what that emotional state is varies a lot. Yeah, right, and I think that's sort of what is like like becoming very clear to me in this conversation is that like my emotional state that I desire is like maybe not one other people would associate with comfort. I, I, <laughs> well, I, no, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just saying, I don't think you're alone. Right. No, absolutely you know? not. I mean, there's loads of people that 
I, I mean, these things that you're talking about are very popular, right? <laughs> like Bojack Horseman is very popular. Right. I mean, like, I, I know other is people. It? I don't think it is. Well, but it's popular. <laughs> it's and popular. people also, I mean, it's a, it's a known thing that people like, like tearjerkers. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's kind right. of the whole right. appeal. That's of, true. That's true. That's kind of the whole appeal of, like, Nicholas Sparks, as I understand it. Or, like, well, yeah, Marlene McDaniel I, uh, from right, Which I, I cannot, right. I cannot handle, like, a Nicholas Sparks. I, I just can't. <laughs> like, it's not yeah. for me. That's how I, I feel about that, the way that you feel about this, maybe more strongly, but still, like, Tear jerkers are things that it's like such a sometimes food for me. Um, Interesting. My partner has this thing where, you know, when she buys books, um, she will often, I probably have talked about this so many times on the podcast, but I just often think of it. I don't know what you're going to say. She will uh, not buy like exclusively happy or sad books. She will think accurately and try to like have an appropriate balance. And for her, the balance- That's so smart. Yeah, it is That's smart. That's so wise. She's That's very, very good. That's very For her, good. the balance is, <laughs> yeah, for her, the balance is- Steph is very wise. <laughs> too happy, one sad. That's that's the ratio she aims at. Um, Interesting. So, you know, I'm sure that ratio is different for other people. For you, it's probably maybe even reversed, you know? Right, I feel like it is a little bit like too sad, one happy yeah. going on. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think what my balance is. I mean, I will say, I do not really watch sad movies and the sad movies that I do rewatch, I typically stop before they become sad. Makes sense. Ah. Makes sense. So I guess my balance skews more to happy, but I mean, some of my comfort reads are like quite, um, I don't know, not, not comforting in the way that, that, uh, it seems like the, uh, the real, the real, the real puzzle is to find your cryptic and then crack it. Yes. Yeah. God damn it, Matt. (laughs) Well, I, I will. Hate you. <laughs> Matt is making fun of me for like having played a lot of Sudoku recently. <laughs> I'm like, this is the way he is doing it by continuously saying this. Look, I, I like no oh, one man. else knows, but I know that this is what he is doing. <laughs> this is why it's so good. This is why it's so good. This is why I'm calling you out now. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, I'm sure people. I'm sure people will have heard of that. I'm sure they will. Right by now, sure. they have. Right. Is fun. But I'm like pointing you out, you're you're doing it specifically because of me. I'm you. Yes, that's right. You're, yeah, you're right. yeah. That's right. Ah, uh, friendship. And Jenny is completely like unaware it's going on while it's happening. Yeah, it's all a mystery. So to I'm me. just looking looking annoyed. Matt is looking pleased. Beautiful little like every time I did it, you're like aggressively more annoyed. And it's like it was <laughs> so cool. It was so fun to watch. You were just like, and you finally you couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't. I really couldn't. Uh-huh. Okay, uh-huh. so we've established he's a Sotki. <laughs> well, another thing that I found very comforting about this book is that it's a very, and we kind of talked about this in the pre-read, but it's a very familiar uh, kind of setting and tone. Um, and I really enjoyed that, especially because it starts from the baseline mm-hmm. understanding that, like, we don't like imperialism. Mm-hmm. So in addition to being comforting in the way that Jane Austen or Georgia Heyer is comforting. I also don't have to feel braced for like racism or anti-Semitism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So into that. That, that is actually exactly a thing about it that is especially comforting. You know, like when I, mm-hmm. it, like at this point, if I read Jane Austen, it's a, it's a less comforting experience for me than it was when I was younger. I definitely oh, found that to be com- more comforting when I was younger. Now, at, like when I, <laughs> when I read Persuasion uh, a couple years ago and it was like, I was just like thinking about the economics of this marriage <laughs> market and I was just like uh, thinking uh-huh. about, I was like overly intellectualizing it and it was still, it's still like a really good book, but is it? I liked it. It's fun. 
I don't think maybe persuasion's not everyone like all the girls love persuasion and like and I feel really guilty that I don't. <laughs> Just like all the Jane Austen people are like, yeah, persuasion, that's the best. I feel like I don't if you're think like it's the best. That's I wouldn't say that, but it's it's, it's good. I think it's I good. feel like if you're like a Jane Austen fan and you're like a smart girl, you usually like persuasion. So I was like all set to be that person too, and then I read mm. it and I was like, eh. Well, see, that's you're just you're just playing the game one step ahead, right? Like it's like it's like why is that so? It's because it's no, it's like lesser known or whatever, you know. Like you liked it before it was cool, you know. But you're even yeah, a step maybe. ahead of that, so there you go. No, now I'm like the bitch who's like, yeah, Mansfield Park, actually. <laughs> <laughs> you just Mansfield explaining to people. <laughs> <laughs> I actually was going to say, I haven't read a Jane Austen book in at least three years. So I'm kind of now curious to go back to them and see how they hit me yeah. in my enlightened old age. Yeah. Especially compared to a book like this, which is like trying to sort of take some of that raw material, but like be more advanced about it. Like be like using, use some like next level smelting techniques on that, on that ore, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I really like the, um, the use of, I mean, why? Okay, here's a question I was thinking about. Like, sometimes when you read a book that is trying to be like, you know, ahead of the curve in terms of depicting accurately, but also in a fun way, you know, do my job interview of being like oh that's a good question, good question. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> I'll, I'll say uh, the one thing I did kind of like was the um the one thing you did kind the, no, of like <laughs> no, sorry, that, the, the, like, like, like one one <laughs> one thing I did like in that realm was the um the paintings were all dicks oh yeah that ruled like yeah, I that loved that. That was really great because, like, you know, like I, you know, Matt and I went to the kind of college where there's like fucking paintings of old dudes fucking everywhere, you know. If and there is this thing of like that would rule. That'd be so good. <laughs> right? No, there were just these paintings of old dudes everywhere, and it's like you're supposed to have some sort of like, oh yes, well this this blah 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 did like this blah blah, and like you know is therefore important. And it's just like, no, like, fuck all of them. They were all, like, crotchety old assholes who, like, absolutely would all, like, you know, like, hate what, like, you know, like, Yale has become now, blah, 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 rabble, rabble, rabble. And so, like, I love that, like, that was their thing. And the way they dealt with it was just, like, putting them in kind of a closet. It was like, yeah, you could just go in the hallway and, like, don't bother people. Like, like I definitely, like, like I, I, I feel that way very frequently about that sort of, you know, like, oh, yeah this painting and it's like important that people see it because it's part of our heritage and it's like do we give a shit really (laughs) (laughs) do we (laughs) is it really my heritage that's another thing i definitely you know i i feel like i identified and this is this is maybe a thing where it became a little less comforting for me but like i identified to some degree with the like you know 
person from like this very rural place goes to like you know the like magical like super upper crusty place and like has to deal with that like and those stories often kind of stress me out a little bit just because like you know like poor rural Alaska kid going to Yale like that's not a you know it's like I've dealt with that shit and it's like not as fun in real life as it is in the novels <laughs> like the novels like everyone gets their way in the end and like I just don't find that comforting because like that's not really like my experience of it and so I think there's some element of that of like like I like the fantasy of like oh but what if like you know you had this kind of like cool person who was in charge of it and she like had this kind of anti-colonialist and like you know feminist agenda and like you know was like what if we had this like good thing but the, like the reality of these places in the real world is that like you can't extricate them from like the colonial history the patriarchal history the like current like classist like reality of them and so I do find sometimes that sort of stuff like like I both enjoy the fantasy and also I'm not like like I sometimes want more from it this is maybe why I liked River Solomon's book because that was like yeah, fuck all of this, burn it down. And I think I, I just aim that way a little bit more. Yeah, that's, I'm like, we can reform. Yeah, I can see. Like, what it takes is, like, the true queen, like, what it takes is if we have a good true queen, she will, like, you know, like, make sure that fairy is, like, a good monarchy, but it is still mm -hmm. a monarchy. Whereas I'm a little bit more like, ah, what if the imps ruled? I think that's interesting. And it makes sense why you would not be comforted. But I don't, I think this book is just, like, not interested in revolution, you know? Mm. And that's yeah. I think not. it's I think it's more interested in a slightly different revolutionary project, which is making space in history for the people who were there participating yeah. in history. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. But kind of making a space for those people in the, um, I mean, in this kind of setting, which is so familiar and so sort of foundational, especially like, I mean. I, I can only speak to my own experience, but it seems to me that this kind of setting is very like foundational and familiar to girls growing up. Um, and mm -hmm. so to like give that space to non-white girls and to queer girls um, feels like a slightly different revolutionary project, I think. Yeah. I mean, to mm -hmm. me, it's like this book is not about. <sighs> How do I put this in a way that isn't stupid? Um, it's not. It's It's like not pointed at i mean i haven't burning being worried about that so far so <laughs> it's not i don't think it's pointed at like the same part of reality it's pointed at like a different part of reality yeah and so it's not even so like what i said before isn't even so much true that, that it's not it, yeah it's not a revolution but really it's like pointed at something else it, it, it's it's like orthogonal to that whole discussion it's you know it's talking about it's like this is a tropey genre book and we're gonna dump a bunch of real shit in it and make it like a much better trophy genre book than what you thought you were like than what than what has come before you know mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and like yeah that's that that's like fucking awesome like it's not not let's not diminish that that's amazing <laughs> as it is yeah i mean i think i think that's what i'm saying like it's not a question of making space within this real actual history um, for, for different kinds of people. It's about making space within this nostalgic fantasy for this kind of people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that like, if you want to hug, if you're like me, you know, and you want to hug like late at night and like, there's certain like things that represent that, hug, like, it's like, Oh, well, I'll, I can get like a really 
good hug instead of like a you know shitty pale shadow hug that also is racist you know yeah mm-hmm. but i mean i totally also at the same time i get why you are more comforted by burn it all down like yeah yeah like I, that's <laughs> that's also that's a that's an that's definitely appealing and, and it's you know perhaps in some other sense a fantasy of a different kind you know Right, right. Yeah. Well, and uh, again, I also recognize that, like, I'm not really the audience. Like, this isn't, you know, the these. I've never read Jane Austen, like any of it. Like, I've, I, you know, I, I, I agree, <laughs> Jenny. <laughs> You're giving me that look, and like, I'm not, I'm not, I'll take it. Absolutely. It's not because it's. Not, I want to be really clear. It's not because I judge people for not having read elements of the canon. It's because I think guys get a pass on reading girl canon stuff i think that's totally true true. i I absolutely did um and i you know like i but i also feel like you know beyond the girl canon stuff i think there's also the like general historical novel right like the period novel is not like a thing and like the tropes of the period novel like i actually don't recognize right there are probably plenty of like trope inversions that just like fully went over my head because I did not recognize the original trope that was being inverted. Mm -hmm. Right. And so like when you're talking about like, Oh, it's like nice and comforting to be able to like read the tropes and enjoy the inversions and like, know that I'm not reading the kind of shitty versions of them. Like probably like, I am so clueless that there are several levels of like not getting it going on there, (laughs) but that does lead to then all of a sudden, like, you know, it's the same way where like, you know, just like I wouldn't expect someone who is like not a common science fiction reader to enjoy some of the like, like genre comfort, right? Maybe there's a thing that's missing in here, which is like genre comfort, which is the like, you know, like knowing the tropes, Mm -hmm. like being aware of how that's going to happen, like getting to enjoy the sort of like, like cozy tropes and like to whatever degree there are cozy tropes in this, like I miss like probably 70% of them. (laughs) Right. Like, sure. I get some elements uh, of like, yeah, romance and like, you know, Rolo. He's like, you know, like I, I get some, right, I get some of that. Words. But like, yeah, got it. you know, well, no, just like you have the kind of like doofy, powerful, like he's not smart, but he's in love. And like, that's enough. Like, I love that. I love that. Like, that's a trope that's I can great. fully get yeah. behind. You know, I'm all about that. But like, uh, you know, there's probably for each one I like be, I'm like, oh, that's a thing I get there are plenty of others where I just don't mm-hmm. in the same way that like someone being like, Oh yes, I love these kind of like comfort read space operas. Someone else would be like, what's going on? Like, why aren't they explaining any of this shit? I don't really understand where all these people are coming from. Now there's robots. Like, what is that? Am I supposed to like these or not? Like, you know, it's like, I know all that's covered by like the trope awareness, not by the book. It's covered by Skynet. I mean, Skynet covers all, you know, <laughs> I don't understand that reference. That's Terminator. Terminator. God fucking damn it. This is, I swear to God, this is the second fucking podcast in a row I've recorded where my like lack of knowledge of Terminator has really, yeah, God, it's, fuck. I gotta watch Terminator. I, like, I love making, I don't think you do. No, you really don't. It's, it's not that great. I mean, what? So, no, it's a classic. Terminator 2 is right? a lot better. Yes, it's a classic, but I've actually never seen Terminator 2. Terminator, I like Terminator 1, but like you don't have to see it is what I'm saying. Not, I mean, by all means, see it if you want, but it's... I don't. Part, <laughs> a plus. Part of the reason I love making references to that is like, 
as this like joke to myself because like I don't think Terminator is that great, and so like of course I'm gonna like make some crack about Terminator, and so Skynet, blah blah blah, Skynet, because like oh yeah, like that's exactly the sort of dumb joke that I would make, but then ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> but you're making it ironically, so it's different. Exactly right. That's that is yeah. That that's even ten steps ahead. <laughs> no, but I, I totally agree with what you were saying, Adrian. There's definitely an element of if you're familiar with the genre, there's just a lot more stuff that I mean, even like I don't know that I could identify things in the true queen and say, okay, these are tropes. But there are like mm-hmm. definitely character types that I recognize. Like Rolo is a character type that I'm very, mm-hmm. very familiar with. Mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. and I would say that Damrol is oh, also yeah. a character type say, that yeah. I'm very familiar with. Um so and like Henrietta, another Extremely familiar character. Clarissa. Yeah, Clarissa, for Mm -hmm. sure. So I think there was a lot of stuff like that that I agree contributed to my feelings of like uh, comfort and welcome in a way that it might not be if you weren't as familiar with that kind of story. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Right. And I think that that, you know, that and that's very much where I just want to be like, you know, any not getting it is on me, not on the story, because like the story shouldn't have to explain stuff like that to me. Right. Like, I I don't think like a better version of the book is one that like helps me get it. Like, that's probably a worse version of the book. No, sure. Totally. But it definitely makes sense as to why you would be less kind of um, as to why you would find this book less accessible, I guess. Mm -hmm. Right, right, right. Interesting. Is there a way to make like Regency or Napoleonic romance fiction comforting to you, Adrian? I mean, I wouldn't know, right? Like, like that's not a thing I can answer, you know? I, 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 I mean, here's one way I could read a lot more of it. Yeah, I mean, like, that's Like, that's what not, it is. like, anything changing about the books. That's changing about, like, me. The question is, like, am I going to do that? And the answer is, like, no. I, I thought you were right? going to Like, say, I'm not going to yeah. read a lot more of it, for sure. Maybe I'll read some. Like, if, if right, like, Jenny, if you were to be, like, you should really read this one Jane Austen novel because it's actually like an important piece of canon that like I would probably at some point here pick it up. But like, I'm not going to make a project of like, oh, what I really want is to be able to be comforted by Napoleonic Regency era, like, you know, historical fiction. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Interesting. I mean, you know, I guess it is true that I've read a lot more historical fiction that was originally published in French. Aha. Uh-huh. I don't think like, that would I help, love, though. I think that... Yeah. I don't think that would help. I think Regency... Um, I think Regency English books are pretty inherently anti-French. Yeah, exactly. So I, I just don't think you get the same sense of it at all. I mean, I think the, like... This happens in Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell. There's a big chunk of Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell where Jonathan Strange is in France fighting the French. Yeah, Temeraire, you know. Right. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like the Temeraire book that I read, the one that uh-huh. I never read uh-huh. anymore. Well, don't read it anymore. <laughs> so. It's really diminishing returns. Like, you're good where you are. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, but I li- I liked that. But I also, again, it was like I had all these, like, problems with the way that it, like, presented, like, the crew versus, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, of course, the, you know, main character is going to be, like, a captain. <laughs> uh, like, his crew loves him because he's one of the good ones. It's like, okay, fine. I Like, I just have to accept that yeah, as, I mean, like, a trope maybe, of these stories. Maybe French revolutionary stuff is going to be more appealing, you know? 
Or maybe yeah. I mean, I think of like mm-hmm. you know, like dangerous liaisons, like liaison dangereux. Like that's a novel that I absolutely love. I think it's a slightly later later than Regency period, yeah. but like it's also it's like the French novels of this time are like fucking sexy, right? Like the Regency <laughs> novels are all like buttoned up, and the French yeah. novels are all like, oh, we it. are having sex and murdering know, people in the it. streets. I know. You want, you, you want, yeah, this is what you want. I, yeah, okay. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm. I'm not saying that's what I want. I'm saying that like I have enjoyed those novels that I've. I also have had to read those for class because I took French class. Right. In a way that I like never really had to read this kind of thing for my like shitty public high school education. And so I think there's some like kind of interesting element there of like, I, you know, like talk, again, talking about familiarity, yeah. like what am I familiar with as contingent on my upbringing and like my history? I think that's yeah. true for anyone, right? Like familiarity is contingent. It's not like an inherent thing. Indeed, It is definitely, but it's also like chosen. Yeah, totally, totally. Mm, very true, very true. You could you could have taken Spanish, and then we then we'd be talking about uh, you know, like right. Boulevard and like uh, right. Well, funny enough, I signed up for Spanish, but there are too many people taking it, so I got put in French instead. Wow, what a twist of fate! <laughs> that became like the most annoying kind of Francophile. Oh, for boy, like there five could be a years. real there could be a real sliding doors situation. Yeah, exactly. See, this is why. This is why we're really missing Whiskey Jenny because I like can't speak to French stuff at all, and she's like French. Ah, uh, okay. So we oh. we could we could annoy you two by like speaking French oui, oui. together. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know a little bit of French, like, and I took a lot of Latin, so I can pick up more than oh, yeah. people perhaps expect. <laughs> right. I mean, you can probably understand it as well as I can at this no, point. No, no, given oh, it's no, been no, more no, than no, a no. decade since I've spoken no, no, no. it, so no, I'm confident not. Whiskey Jenny have had, and I have had this conversation. Like she just knows, like she the same thing. She studied French in college. She just knows right. a lot more than I do. I right. know, like, um, I mean, again, at this point, my comprehension is in the toilet. Given it's been a decade, I think yeah, man, what this means a... is that we should read uh... Aliette Bodard. I know. I hear you. Oh, we just did that. Yeah, we did just do that. It's funny you said that. <laughs> Matt, Matt's like, oh yeah, we should. It's like, no, that was literally the last book that we read. Yeah, Matt. I was like, oh, good idea. Done. <laughs> <laughs> I really liked that book. That book was super comforting to me. And oh, right. here's the thing. I have read a whole bunch of Sherlock Holmes stories. Like as a kid, that was one of those things I read a bunch of. And so that was a book that like I got, yeah. right? Like all the tropes were like, great and the inversions and stuff of them i got immediately and had like a really fun time so i you know i feel like i should shut the fuck up because i don't know what i'm talking <laughs> about and i just keep coming no, to that conclusion over and over again that we're close to you yeah it's fair <laughs> yeah fair. absolutely i mean yeah. i think that well see this is another great example actually i have read i have consumed a certain a fair amount i think i think a reasonable like more than really anyone could expect of me amount of sherlock holmes type media right and i never like it and i, oh, I, I like the team master the team master detective was fine i enjoyed it like certainly i enjoyed it much more than i enjoy most sherlock holmes stuff right you talk about mysteries like a fair bit on your own podcast, but i yeah but but she has more she reads whiskey jenny uh, reads mysteries i like true. don't super and i i mean that is again a genre that i'm mm, trying to kind of time it myself too slowly do you feel like you've gotten anywhere with that process or <sighs> No, honestly, if anything, I feel like I've like gone backwards. Really? Mm. Yeah, I feel like if anything, I feel less. Um, 
I feel less aware of what the available tropes are. I feel less aware of the sub. What did you like? Yeah, no, I mean, there's there's individual things that I've liked. Um, there's this uh, writer called Ausma Zehnat Khan who writes kind of. She's a human rights lawyer, so she writes mysteries that are kind of focused on human rights issues. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. and because I'm I really like interested that. in human rights, those work really well for me. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I've enjoyed. <laughs> What about non-book media? I often find mystery like movies to be more comforting than mystery I liked Nice Out. Yeah, that was very so good. good. I thought I, they I should have... yoink Daniel Craig right out of that, but apart from that, I thought it was really good. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. Hot take. I think it'd be a better movie without him. I think that if, if it were just the main character solving the mystery on her own, it would be more enjoyable. Interesting. I do see where you're coming from. Like her and Lakeith Stanfield, and then he would have oh, more to do. With God, I know. Well. Yeah, that would, would be great. Be I mean, I always want more we Lakeith are Stanfield. Stanfield yeah, here. We stand. Yeah, okay, my other idea. <laughs> we stand if, the Stanfield. If, <laughs> if they don't want to just take the Daniel Craig character completely out, I propose recasting him with Peter Dinklage. I think that would be much, much better. Oh, wow. Interesting. There's, see, I did feel that I wish he had been a little bit more actually clueless and a little bit less important to it. But I don't know if you take him. I think I think there's some fun in having the typical detective character, but he's kind of clueless and doesn't solve it in the end. Like a little bit of Pink Panther, like a little bit more yeah, the, along I don't the like Pink that. Panther line. Okay. Yeah, okay. I don't. That's not the. Yeah, that does not. It's uh, right. Like, I, I love that movie so much. And. It's great. Oh my god, I loved it. Right, it right. happened so much. I, there's, there's an interesting <laughs> amount of like, like there's a lot of like intentionally messing with your expectations that's going on in that movie, and right. the detective seeming clueless. First, he seems like a good detective. Then he seems clueless. Then he actually gets that whole back and forth is all about subverting mm. expectations, and it's a it's a yeah. funny game to play because as soon as the game is subverting expectations, well, expectations are a moving target, and like. You know, even if you somehow succeed, as I think it did, like in, in audiences, like what it was the last year it came out, like yeah, yeah last year. Um, I mean, yeah. time is yeah, yeah time, my friend yeah. Is a, at Thanksgiving. You know, so yes, time yeah, is a bubble. Mm-hmm. And it's like a flat circle on top of a bubble <laughs> on top of a tower last of elephants. Year, you that's know, crazy. yeah. And then like, what in, was the last movie you all saw in theaters? In theaters. I've been oh, asking man. people this. Yeah, must have been the last Skywalker. I think that's true for me too, probably. Uh, was that last yeah. year? Yeah, it's December. Was last year, right? yeah. yeah, then yeah, that was it. Yeah. Mine was it, Little Women, which I'm very happy with that good. being the last one. Yeah. I thought it was just okay. Uh, I really liked it, but I cried pretty hard at it, so there you go. <laughs> oh, oh my God, me too. <laughs> oh, heavens, me too. I actually, I did think, I did think Beth was very good. I like it's Beth is a hard character but i thought that the movie did a really good job mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's super interesting yeah I, it's too bad. 20 years yeah. from now is not doubt gonna feel like it felt hard to say that i say yes i think it's gonna be like i think it's gonna be like clue where it's still gonna be just like so. extremely enjoyable I hope so. You know, one thing I liked about Knives Out, I'm realizing as we're having this conversation, I think one thing it did do well is that like all the rich people were shitty people in the end. Like even Ransom, who like, you know, he has that moment of like, oh, he's trying to get on Martha's good side and like he's just being shitty too because he's ultimately the most shitty of all. So good. Like, like, I think that's I feel like you should like spoiler tag that because that's like a pretty big. uh, If people haven't seen it. Whatever. Okay. All right. All right. All right. 
I, I'm the I'm the anti spoilers person. I mean, here. I you're, don't you're care. Right, anyway, you're right. So. You're right. Though, I'm annoyed because you're if right, not because <laughs> you're wrong. I, it, I would care. Yeah. Matt would be so mad at me if he hadn't yeah. seen it and I'd said that. Um, <laughs> that's getting you back for cracking the cryptic. I'll crack your cryptic. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't even know what that means. Uh, <laughs> it's so good because like, like, that was. Yeah. So, but but I think there's like there was something in the, I, I alluded to it already. Like in this book, and I think. Jenny, you kind of actually mentioned something about it too, where it's like, there's this thing that book does where it's like, it treats humanity really well. It's like the humanity has these anti-colonialist and anti-imperialist themes, but then like the fairy realm kind of gets to be where it like shoves that kind of stuff, right? Like it gets to be kind of shitty about the fairy realm. It gets to be like, oh yeah, the fairy realm like should have a monarch and like there is a natural order to think. And like, it was this kind of like weird... I is what it was sort of the thing that actually bothered me a little bit about the book was it felt a little bit of like having its cake and eating it too of like a little bit of like you know yeah we're gonna have this revolutionary project where we like have queer women in this you know like historical fantasy but like also you know it's okay in fairy it's like yeah just a good ruler is all it yeah, takes to make it you know okay, and I, I don't love that like, I don't think the book thought it was like somehow okay no i don't either i don't think the book thought it was okay but the book that is the way the story presents itself right like there's a difference there this is actually very fascinating to me because <coughs> excuse me <coughs> this is very fascinating to me because all along we've been talking about the genre expectations that go with uh, a regency book mm-hmm but what this raises for me is more the genre expectations that go with English fairies mm-hmm. in fiction. Mm-hmm. 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 And my recollection, Adrian, is that you don't read too much fantasy. Not a whole lot. That's a, this is like a lot of genres that are not my thing. <laughs> no, that's no. I mean, God, that's <laughs> right, true for right. all of us. But right. I was just—I didn't want to like assume that and then proceed on no, that. Assumption I've read some amount of fantasy, but not a lot. No. Okay. So, have you read much stuff that kind of deals with like the realm of fairy? No, that that in particular is like a blind spot. Like if ah. if I, when I've read fantasy, I've read like boy fantasy written in like the two thousands and two thousand ten. So this I mean, is, it's like all the shit you'd expect. <laughs> so, so so this is really really interesting because I super love like stories that are with creepy fairies. That's like right. one of my right. real sweet spots. Uh, yes. um, well, we talked about with that with the uh, best right of with all the Karen Lord. Where we, yeah, yeah. We really so like that. I like that section too. Super good. Yeah, but it's very interesting because I think a lot of the things that pinged you in this book are extremely characteristic of books about creepy fairies yeah. in terms of just the kind of amoral way that they proceed with their lives. Oh, yeah. yeah. The way the realms are conceptualized. Yeah. Yeah. That stuff all felt very, and I didn't think about it until just now, but that stuff all felt really. Uh, nodding real hard. I think you're so right. Like, this is, I didn't think yeah. about this until you just said that. Like, but it's so true. Like, all of these things are are like the way that I, I mean, like I would have been, I would have thought it was weird if the fairies didn't work this way because that's how they're supposed to work. Like that's like yeah, this is, these are like staples yeah, of like, like fairy behavior. Yeah, it would be like if the dragons didn't breathe fire and instead they breathe breathe. I don't even know what it would be. Some weird ass like custard, right? Like what the fuck <laughs> is going on with that? Like this doesn't make any sense. You know? Yeah, like the the kind of idea that that the fairy realm is 
governed by monarchs. Who are assholes. Basically amoral yeah. assholes. Yeah. Basically yeah, amoral yeah. by human standards. That they have all these really kind of Byzantine requirements <laughs> that if you don't exactly meet them, you're fucked. Right, right. Well, that so that's stuff I'm aware of, right? Like, right, the, sure. I mean, yeah. So, like, aware of on an intellectual level, I don't think hits the same as being like familiar with it from. That's fair. That's from fair. Reading it. And that's that's not in any way a criticism of you. So I hope it doesn't right, sound right. like right. No, one. no, not at all. Okay, it's I've just, read like maybe like three or four novels that actually deal with any of this stuff. So you know, it's just interesting to think about because this is like really my like. Right. Mm. I guess so what it, it, there was this particular thing that bothered me that what came at the very end of the novel uh, that were like I, I for the most part gave this stuff a pass it's like I do get that this is kind of this like fairy genre convention because sure, I've read sure. like a little bit of it and I've read about it a little bit too so I am kind of aware of that but the th- final thing was like at the very end you know it's like the true queen present like you know Sakti Muna one word, you know, presents herself. She's a big lizard lady. She like eats her sister. All good. And then it's like, so oh much. no. Ugh. I mean, I, I, to be clear, I also I love, love that, that whole scene. I love that she's got like a snake body. That's so cool. Great. <laughs> awesome. Very, very into it. But like, then, you know, like, you know, Henrietta like pulls her apart. Uh, Ghost Muna kind of like makes it happen in the, you know, mind realm splits them blah 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 then there's this conversation with um uh the witch from the island uh, whose name i just can't pronounce i think it's Mo- i don't know how to pronounce it either sorry yeah so the witch from the island yep right right she is um like they have a conversation where she's like oh what are you gonna let your sister just rule on her own like what they need you know is like a good queen to like balance it out like they need and and like afterwards she comes back in the denouement and is like oh yes, we've been like negotiating with the like crocodile people. And like, you know, it's like, like because we are these like good monarchs, like things are better. And like good monarchs is what it takes for things to get better. Feels like it goes one step beyond just the usual, like, well, fairy works this way and everyone's capricious, right? It it, like seems to say, in fact, like, oh no, well, if you have non-capricious monarchs, then like monarchy can work for everyone. And like, like that's where, you know, she even like asks like the, the witch, like, oh, can you help me rule? Like, can you help teach me how to rule instead of teach me how to do magic and it's like that that kind of thing at the end there did feel a little bit like almost like going back on some of the like gains made through the like subversion of the tropes if that makes sense yeah i can see that i think that's fair i didn't really read it that way i mean like to me it was like like they sort of felt like there were two alternatives like on the one hand okay well let's just like let sakti rule she's gonna fuck it up definitely 100 percent, she's gonna fuck it up like or like you know don't do that and, and like join her and like try to help her and do a better job and it's just it's that simple of a decision it's like we're not yeah but that's a- like the cold equations like argument of like oh yeah so like you know i've presented this story where like you you're given two choices and like one is clearly yeah, worse than not, the other like sure but like make a, a broad philosophical point it's like what would these characters do presented with this situation yeah, but, but she's it, choosing the the author is choosing the situation that they're presenting. Yeah, of course, with. But right? Like, and like, is it not choosing to make up? Because like, I actually agree with Jenny here, where it's like, I think the book is pretty political. I, I, I yeah, it is. But like, it just doesn't like. If you want to write a book about what happens in fair, like, how, how about this? It's very plausible to me that these characters would make these sorts of decisions, and maybe she should write another book that 
deals with the consequences of those decisions. Like maybe book three. Well, seems, maybe yeah. she should. Yeah. But, but well, like, it, I mean, it honestly, it honestly seems very likely that she yeah, is. That's exactly. Right, exactly. That seems reasonable. I, I, I actually right. already had that thought too. Like it's like very plausible that book three is going to involve something going wrong with Sakimura the ruling fairy. <laughs> I'm right, sure that'll right. happen. It's just like, well, what, what, this is like the last like three pages of the book. Like how are we going to right. put a whole other plot about fairy into here? Like, Right. Well, again, like some of what I'm expressing, though, is like I get that this is like the genre, right? Like I get that this is this like fantasy genre loves like installing the rightful monarch at the end. And like it's always a thing with fantasy genre stories that like, you know, I I never love it. I didn't feel like the book was like and now we took it all up with a bow. It didn't feel like that at all to me. It felt like the book. That's not what I'm saying. But but like it it didn't feel like like the the difference between there's a difference between like uh, like I think I would have been annoyed if the end of the book had made it seem as though this were the ever, you know? But I think instead, mm-hmm. the I got, like, oh, this is making I know this is definitely the best thing. You know what I mean? It, it just gave mm-hmm. me the sense of there's something this choice, and like, I'm sure it'll have high consequences like all the other choices they made, you know? That's the same thing. <laughs> right. I would say that the reason that I agree with that, um, in part, is that I read the first book. Um, in which Prunella makes, in my opinion, a pretty unforgivable choice. But it is the only choice she can make. But it's pretty unforgivable. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think, therefore, that Zencho is kind of aware of um, these moral calculuses and mm-hmm. and and is not alighting them. But again, that's okay, like right. extra textual that I'm bringing to it. So you don't have to necessarily believe me. Well, and I'm not saying anything. Like, I want to make it really clear. Like, I'm not saying anything about like Zen Cho here. Like, I'm saying about no, like, the way I, I read I this book. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I'm, I'm more for the like audience's sake than like your two's sake. But, but just like, you know, like, like I'm kind of approaching this text as like a text and not as like a thing that's telling yeah. me anything about like what Zen Cho thinks about any of this. Like, I, I do want to make that clear. I guess I feel like I didn't. Yeah, but think, like yeah. and like that's that's interesting to hear that like that is kind of like you know I, I i'm always interested in the way like what you know we didn't talk about this in the pre-read and maybe we should a little bit here of like side quals right and like i'm really interested in the way oh, yeah. that like how like you can have two books that can be read in any order like canonically right like the author is like yes you can read one you can read the other they can both stand alone you can read them in any order but like Doing that is like making, right? Like, you are going to have a different experience depending on like which of those four options you choose. That's super true. I did this experiment a couple times when I was in high school. Most That's memorably, awesome. I had one of my friends read Ender's Shadow before she read Ender's Game. Oh, I love that you just experimented on your friends. That's so good. <laughs> I thought you were going to be like, yeah, I did blah, blah, blah. No. No. no you were like, it's no, too late. No. Once I've already no, had the experience, choose, yeah. I've had the experience. <laughs> Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, and it, I mean, it worked beyond the dreams of men. She wouldn't read more Ender's Game books because she was so mad at Ender based on the way he's portrayed in Ender's Shadow. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. That's that's interesting. That's very interesting. Makes sense. I, yeah. I, go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, you go ahead. I'm just always interested in running this kind of experiment. I do it as often as possible because I'm always so curious. Yeah. Like I can only have the experience of reading that I've had. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I really like kind of like. Yeah. That's super interesting. Yeah. It's. I tend to think that if people ever do this, there's only going to be one that's good. There's only going to be one order no. that's good. 
No, I don't no, agree. I What's an example agree. of a situation where there's more than one order and they're both good? Or like two? So, so glad you uh -huh. asked. Um, certainly the Crestomancy books by Dan Williams. Interesting. I didn't, I wasn't aware that you could read those in like any order. What order would you read them in? Like publishing order? I don't know. I mean, yeah, you could do that. But I mean, for instance, Conrad's fate takes place between the lives of Christopher Chance and Charmed Life. Yeah. Max Gladstone's books work like this too. Um, which I guess I was aware of, of, of that debate already, but. I mean, there's also, um the culture novels like which we've read on this podcast right like those don't have any canonical order to them that's true but i also feel like oh i, I see what you mean and like yeah I, there are some that like maybe like like there are some that work better as your first novel into it and some that work better if you've read a few other novels first but ultimately like they like i don't think there's a best way to read those i think there's a couple of like preferred methods where like a few of the books like should be read earlier on and a few of the books should be only read after you've read a few of the other ones but like beyond that like no there's not like yeah. i like this is the best way and I this think is I understand the wrong you guys now. i was thinking only of things that involve like the same characters interacting in like the same sort of close temporal confines but like as soon as you say it that way Actually, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, yeah, I would read the culture. Yeah, you could read the culture novels in a bunch of order. Yeah, so it sounds more like you're talking about more sequel-y sequels. Yeah, than right, uh, right. Novel. Which, yeah. like, specifically, like, yeah. I, I want to talk about side quals right. here, no, right? Like, I, I want to talk about this thing of, like, books that aren't straight yeah, sequels. Although this was more sequel-y than I was expecting in the sense that what you said, Matt, that there are things in this book that clearly spoil the first one. Um, yeah, it's too bad. I, as soon as I finished it, I was like, oh, man, I want more. But... I don't know if I'm going to be able to read. Like, I like one of the reasons like, I'm not into spoilers is because I feel like I already know what's going to happen. It's like, even if I already told you what's going to happen, knowing being able to guess is it's still different. So I, I, I don't know. Fascinating. That's so foreign yeah. to me. Yeah, I don't get it either. <laughs> I inhabit a beautiful country um, of, of beautiful people. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Of the unknown. Of, yeah. of ignorance. <laughs> it's an undiscovered country, okay? I'm trying to think of like more novel like I feel like there are also I mean this is maybe at this point like a really fraught example and it's not one that I ever really loved anyway but there's the whole like machete order of Star Wars right where it's like like before the like third uh, series the third trilogy came out there was this idea of like you know the prequels they're not very good like you know on this like access they are like definitely <laughs> like you might like them but they are not good movies yeah they're not <laughs> you know you might like their politics that doesn't make them good films um but i do think that like like there's this idea of like you know but they do kind of tell this story like what if you have kids and you want to like you know show them the like whole world of star wars and like the, you know the sequels work better for kids so do the they? idea was they do. I mean, I liked them when I was a young child and they were first coming out. It was like by the third one where I was like, oh, I actually don't like this anymore. One of the problems. I yep. physically recoiled from the idea of showing kids the prequels before the originals. Yeah. Well, yeah. So that's what the machete order is this idea of like you show the first two Star Wars films first. And then you show then the prequels you, as a flashback. Then you show the prequels as a flashback after Luke, I am your father. And then you show the last one. No. 
That's cruel. That's a cruel. That's a cruel thing to do because Return of the Jedi is fucking fun, and it yeah. would be cruel to deny a child. And I speak from I mean, my sister, my lying sister with her lying mouth, <laughs> told me that in Return of the Jedi, the Millennium Falcon exploded. And then, that's awesome. And we couldn't. And we couldn't watch Return of the Jedi for a really long oh. time. So I just thought it was going to... And I really liked Lando Calrissian by Pro that time. Move. Like, by the time I started watching it, she was like, yeah, yeah Lando Calrissian is in it and it crashes. And I was like, well, I don't care about that traitor sack of shit. But then Return of the Jedi came around. Turns out I did care about him. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. I completely understand. I The problem with talking about Star Wars is that it's never... You can talk about Star Wars eternally. Right. I've had this it's so culturally <laughs> fraught at this point. Well, I actually, I, 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 I thought yeah. you were, I thought you were going to say the C.S. Lewis books. I thought that was the example you were going to bring up. See, uh, I think, I think actually published order is the oh, correct order for those. A hundred thousand percent. Like, I don't true. think you should read them in the. In I only the read the first one. I literally order. don't even know what happens in the other ones. <laughs> Oh, well, uh, I mean, a bunch of shit. Yeah, I don't really remember it because it's been since high school. Oh, but yeah. you know, no. But I don't. Yeah, I I think there's a correct one for that because. I mean, I do too. But some people there's read them a thematic in, order to them. Some people read them in like box sets will come. Well, yeah, in, I know the box sets will come with in the wrong order. Yeah, it's and bullshit. it's just like the magician's nephew doesn't fucking make any sense if you haven't read the other ones. I mean, I love the magician's nephew. It's very funny. But it doesn't make sense if it's your first. It's Narnia hard for me book. to. So my mom, my mom started reading these books. She read *The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe* to me and my big sister when she was four and I was three. So they're like very. Um, right. It's, it's like hard for me to think about them. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. That's fair. I'm that's in the exact fair. same boat. You know, the that's very fair. like Christian upbringing thing. They are the you know like. Oh, it wasn't that. She just really oh, liked yeah. them. Oh yeah, no, I was very much for my mom. It's like, oh, this is like good fantasy you can read. <laughs> oh no, no 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 no! My mom was just really into. I mean, they're good right. books. They're like very. Did you not ever read his? Yeah, I don't even remember. Like at this point, it's been so long that I do not remember all of them. I remember really liking Prince Caspian because it was like an adventure really? story. Yeah, because he like goes on these adventures oh. to like different parts of the world, and like Matt will know from playing RPGs with me. The very first thing of, I do, you're thinking of Void. Oh, Don Treader, Don Treader. Yeah, yeah, okay. Don oh, Treader oh is what I mean. Sorry, okay, sorry, yeah, great. Sorry. No, 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 no. That's totally that makes much more sense. Continue. Right, right. But like I like whenever I play like an RPG, the very first thing I want to do is like, cool, can we like leave wherever it is that you built up so we can just like adventure in the whole world? Because you mentioned these other lands and that shit sounds like I love that kind of like we're just well, gonna go. go and see as many lands as possible. So Don Treader was just like my jam. Um, yeah, Don Treader is great. Don Treader yeah. is like a clear upper tier right. one. <laughs> and there's the like Silver Lake thing. I don't know. There's like also a bunch of like horrifying shit in that one that like stuck with me, I feel like. I think, you know, <laughs> I, I, one thing I've always wondered about these is if it's ever going to be worth it for me to read. So I read Lion, Witch, and Order as a kid and I've never read any of the other ones. And I... Uh, I know this one. No. Not worth it? Yeah, I don't to read. think so. No, I mean, again, like I these books are so. everything to me. They're so like ingrained uh, in my subconscious. I love them more than most things. Mm-hmm. But I have never seen a grown-up read them for the first time as a grown-up and enjoy yeah. them. So I don't think you yeah. would. It's yeah. kind of, I think you really have to read them as a kind of kid. The impression that I had, you know. I like hate saying that because you don't know how much I love these books. But like, I just don't think. I, really you would do. Like I read them. the first I one. Think I mean, the first right, one was fun. Though. You know, like I just yeah, it didn't it didn't imprint right. Like I read it. I what read I would it, say, I Matt. What I would say is if you want to get the general story, and this is like very specifically a recommendation for you and you alone. Uh, the old BBC miniseries of the various books. That's what you is should it, watch. Uh, is it a cartoon it's, or is it live action? 
No, it's live, live action. action. It's really bad, like like FX. Yeah, it's you know, but it's also that. yeah, it's yeah. it's it's your shit. And so yeah, like if that's that. the thing you want, like I that, like if you want it, like yeah, yep. Yep, you want to see like you know clear like oh that's a claymation element and it has like yeah. three frames a yeah. second. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. you that's the thing you should watch. Mm-hmm. I don't read the books, but like you'll you'll really enjoy. That's a those. great recommendation, Adrian. Thank you. You're quite welcome. I honestly, part of me almost wants to tell you to just read the Voyage of the Dawn Treader because it's so like. It's different uh, than all the others. But there's other things about it that are quite kind of terrible and insulting yeah, so. again it's been like since probably middle school since i've read any of them it's really so good i, I mean it's a really good yeah, book and it has tough. a lot of like it has a lot of like fucking creepy moments that will really yeah, yeah. really stay with you yeah that's the thing oh, about oh, that man. one is it's like a little bit more like it's it's the most like all of them have some like real fuck you up as kids moments like, no, the the fuck me upest one. I think I made my mom stop reading it to me, and I was like, "I need a few nights of break. We're gonna have to <laughs> hit pause on this one." It was the silver chair? The silver chair. Yeah, that shit was fucked. The silver chair at the end when they have the like confrontation with the main villain. Right. Um, she puts something in the fire to make the fire like green. Yeah. And, and they're telling her where they've come from. They've come from Narnia. They're, they're like in an underground kingdom. So they're telling her they've come from Narnia, um, which is above ground and, and in a land where you could see the sun. And she's like, that doesn't sound real. She's like, I don't, I can't imagine how there would be a big ball of fire in the air, keeping things warm and bright. And they're all like, yeah, maybe we did make it up. And she's like, there was never such a thing as the sun. And they're all like, yeah, there was never such a thing as the sun. And it's so <laughs> fucking creepy. That's cool. I like that. So That's good. It's oh, so God, good. it's the creepiest shit ever. Yeah. My, like, That's six-year-old awesome. self or whatever age I was by then couldn't handle it. Right. That's so good. Blah. I do like that. that. That's great. Yeah. That's it's, I mean, it's good. It's yeah. just, like, should, very oh, distressing. Man, it's, tough. <laughs> it's tough to go back to the childhood stuff, you know? It is. It is. I mean, you know, there's like an argument for not doing it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I always, I always go know. back to these books. These are just the sort right. of like, yeah. Yeah. I feel like I both those on. and like Little House on the Prairie are both like these sort of series that I remember very fondly, but also have just chosen to never actually revisit as an adult because like I enjoy the memories. I'll keep, I'll keep it at that. I'll keep my like bad half forgotten memories over like actually, you know, <laughs> dealing with the reality of them now like i deal with enough reality (laughs) (laughs) so i I never liked the little house uh, books which helps me oh sorry do you have um no it's all good it's all good sorry i'm like experiencing a massive delay it's like difficult to time things you're fine you're fine (laughs) just just keep talking i was gonna ask do you guys have uh books that you remember as kids you think are actually like unexpectedly a great recommendation for adults is there anything you can think of that fits that bill can i can i the go look one, at my kid yeah. bookshelf yeah you can i'll say the first one that came to my mind okay the first yeah, yeah. one that came to my mind as like a thing like that is definitely diana Wynne jones who is like oh sure I mean, it's like not unexpected i guess it's not like it's not like a counterintuitive take or something she's just like she her books are completely appealing to adults and completely appealing to children and there's no there's no like i mean there's just they're just like magically great and i really 
recommend them to anyone, you know? So wait, is, is the remit, I need to identify a children's book that I would recommend to a fellow adult such as y'all, right. or is it that right. a, a book that I would give to a child? No, no, for an adult, for an adult. Because like so often, oh. like, because yeah. basically I want to find the one like, you know, it's like classically thought of as a children's book. Actually, adults love it. Mm. And like adults maybe have like not considered that. I see. Oh, God, yes. Thousands. Hang on. Literally everything I can think of is books I read as a kid that were definitely adult books that I enjoyed <laughs> as a kid and now also, like, enjoy even more. Well, sure. Like, I was thinking, actually, A Canticle for Leibowitz was the first thing that oh, yeah. came to mind. <laughs> I don't think that's a But, like, book. I read that when I... Well, yeah, but I read it when I was, like, 12 for the first yeah. time, you know? So that's me with Diana Wynne Jones. I didn't discover her until I was eleven or twelve. So those don't even like necessarily feel super much like kids' books to me. I mean, yeah, yeah, like I I can see that now. But like the stuff that I was reading when I was eleven and twelve started kind of veering into adult books. Yeah. Okay. Let me look at my. Let me look at my. I'm looking at my library catalog now. A library thing to see which of my children. Thank you. Bringing up, I wouldn't necessarily bring up. I, I was I immediately thought of Roald Dahl. I mean, I immediately thought of like oh yeah Matilda right. and James and the Giant Peach. Yeah, so I, I never read uh, any of those. Yeah, I haven't read. What? I read James and the Giant Peach as a child. I don't remember it really that well. Um, oh, it's great. Yeah, yeah. Everybody I read. That. I read one. I read the BFG. That's the mm-hmm. one. That was Man. it. That was the oh, only one oh, I ever read. Oh. Some at some future time, can me and Whiskey Jenny come back on the podcast and talk about like pick. Like two kids' books. Oh, uh, yeah, please. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, fun. anytime. So 100%. Great I think, like, yeah, yeah. I I mean, one, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I'm going to um, veer so far off course, and it's not like I haven't just done that to you all all the time this episode. <laughs> no, but I do think it's interesting, and I think it, and I think it goes back to the, to the question of what you find comforting. It does. Right. Right. That said, Ella Enchanted for sure. Oh, interesting. Holes by Lewis Sacker. That one bangs. Enchanted is literally something I didn't even know it was a book. I've only heard of the movie. Good. Yeah, it's a good book. I when like, I reread I like it, I'm like, oh, this is still fucking good. <laughs> My dad likes the movie because he likes it when they all sing Somebody to Love. He plays it all the time. That's nice. Good stuff. Yeah, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. That's kind of uh, Absolutely. I'm yeah. a dad who so like he, is the corny ass song. Yeah, that's me. Yep. Yeah, that's my dad. I, I went over to my parents' house to burn a CD on their computer because they have like an actual CD drive. And when I ejected their CD-ROM drive, there was a CD on there in which my dad had written in his shitty handwriting, Merry Christmas. And it was just <laughs> fucking full of Christmas music that he'd been listening yep. to that day. Yep. yep. <laughs> I'm into that. That's going to be amazing. One day. All right. The wolves, yeah. The Wolves of Willoughby Chase by Joan Aiken. Another really, really solid oh, book. Oh, tell me about this book. I don't. No, no, no. Tell me about the oh, most yeah. okay, of this so, stuff is not stuff I've read, actually. So Joan Aiken was kind of this like classic British children's fantasy novelist. And she oh. wrote a series. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I just, did, she no, no, write, did she write like uh, um, school children books of any kind? Or no, she wrote. Oh. Um, they were kind of, I mean, not not a zero amount. She had some books where kids were at school, but it wasn't like a kid's yeah, school yeah, series. Yeah. Um, so it was set in this alternate version of England, uh, where there was, again, I, I think not, not ungermane to Zen show. <laughs> yeah. Not ungermane. Uh, this the subtitle. Of this <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, hey, if we if we get there, we're doing better than we have some episodes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, hey, it was probably um, the subtitle of last episode, so that's good. <laughs> right, right. No, the subtitle of last episode was Trash Birds. That was definitely the very oh, yeah, first thing sure. that I Absolutely, listed. Yeah. Spoilers, so they were setting these. <laughs> <laughs> so they're setting this alternate version of England, but the Wolves of Willoughby Chase is, I believe, the first in the series, and it's just this book about when you're a kid, you think it's a very serious book about these two orphan girls who are horribly mistreated, and they have to like travel through the snow to, you know, get back their fortune, blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you read it as an adult, you realize it's like a really vicious send up of that. Not vicious. It's a very funny send up of that type of book. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. Um, that's that's yeah, cool. it's great. Very it's good. terrific. Yeah. That's that's like I mean, a... I read it. Go ahead. No, no, please go. <laughs> Well, I was going to say something ridiculous, which is that I read it when I was probably six or seven, and I didn't realize it was set in an alternate version of England. Um, and the the yes. opening scene, they're on a train to to bring the the one girl to the like isolated manor house where she's going to live. And as they're pulling into the train stop, they're like, "Oh, they have to like go full speed right up until the station, then slam on the brakes because otherwise, if they if the wolves see the train slowing down, they'll attack the train." <laughs> and a wolf does indeed attack the train and for oh, years man. i mean years like into my 20s i thought there were wolves in england that attacked trains and this was like a basic safety precaution that all trains knew yeah, about that's awesome amazing. that's so, so i kind of still think that, that. i right. i'm like not super convinced that's not true if you that's told so me good. that about russia i would 100 percent believe you right like, it does i would not, not call bullshit impossible. at all yeah what's, what's like funny? oh yeah in russia like you know it's like they just drive full speed into the station because otherwise they have to like shoot at all the wolves and you know it's totally. hard to hit them from a moving train oh, man. <laughs> it's like okay yeah i believe that sure Especially given your upbringing, Adrian, I feel like you would believe a lot of things about other places and wild animals, you know, like, <laughs> like, probably <you> fair. <laughs> Alaska is like an alien ludicrous flora and fauna that like other people have only imagined, you know, that is true. That is true. So I, yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> I, I don't know if you've heard this story, Chin Jenny, but when Matt came to Alaska with me on the drive from Anchorage to Homer, where like, you know, he and our other friends all like got into the airport in Anchorage and we like drove to, I drove everyone down to Homer. Um, I hit an owl. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Like an owl swooped down from the like, you know, and it's like the middle of the night because we started driving at like 10, but it's also like yeah, light enough that, that you can see an owl. That it's like the middle of the night, which means it's not actually completely dark. Right. It's like <laughs> dusk. It's like it never gets darker than it's, dusk. It's like eternal dusk in a completely made up landscape. Right. Of like right. And this owl just large. swoops down and I go... <laughs> oops, hold on, because I realize is there's no way I'm going to be able to avoid this owl because there's also the first car I've seen well, in like 30 minutes too. of the highway. Well, no, it was also like I saw it like heading straight for me and there I also saw this car on the highway. I'm like, I'm going to hit the owl before the other car. Um, and it was just like the wildest thing. But like, yeah, that's, you know, like, yeah, you sometimes got to deal. Or, you know, we also like, uh, you know, there was a moose on the road at one point, so you have to stop and like honk until it gets off the road because you can't drive past it when it's on the road because moose so is as hard. big as a car yeah it's you so hit a moose express, you're probably gonna die like it's so hard to express how how not normal all that like it sounds so much more normal to hear it but it's like well so i was actually insane. just thinking like, 
I was actually just thinking I can totally imagine like driving over the Bonacari spillway at night and hitting a pelican because they like yeah. they catch the Right. So the other thing about an owl though is its wingspan was as wide as the car. Sure. <laughs> it just looks like a, a giant fantasy creature it was the other thing weird the very actually i don't know if i've even told you this matt the like weirdest thing about hitting an owl is its wingspan is as big as the car it's like this big fluffy big thing mm-hmm. it like looks huge but i literally didn't feel it at all like you expect to hit something oh, and yeah. you expect like a bump or like the car to like they're yeah, so light because yeah. they have to fly they are like beings yeah. that live in the sky that is weird that part is weird and so it just so like weird. drove like through it like it was not it was super yeah, no, bizarre i, I, as, like, I don't remember experience. i remember a bump but it wasn't much of one so yeah that makes right. sense uh, I remember it just being like so much like I, I was bracing for like, oh, fuck, I'm going to hit a thing. And instead, I just like plowed through a thing. <laughs> <laughs> owls, not trash birds. That owl. Oh, no, um, owls are great. Yeah. Not a bird anymore, unfortunately. Fantasy I feel landscape. very bad about that. That's the only time I've ever hit. Oh, one. I would feel oh, terrible. I mean, right. You know. I killed a possum once. I mean, not. I mean, I hit a, I right, hit a possum right, right. in my car. And they're definitely trash birds. But I still to this day feel so guilty. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I have a question. Go ahead. Go. 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 Please. Well, I had I had a question. Just like speaking of beasts of the air, um, I saw a Twitter exchange recently between Zencho and Elliot Bodard where, ah. um, they were talking about uh shape shifting, um, mm. in their in their in Vietnamese and Malaysian mythology. Oh, cool. And and um, that people had apparently someone was distressed. That in the Vanisher's Palace, which was a Beauty and the Beast retelling that Elliot Bodard wrote, mm. um, had a romance between a dragon shapeshifter and a human because they were very concerned it was bestiality. And Zencho oh, was saying, I saw something about this and I didn't understand the context, so I just kind of zoned it out. <laughs> I was like, um, pull, you know, it's one of those things where you see like the bottom half of a tweet thread and people are like yelling about bestiality, and you're just like, nah. <laughs> yeah, I don't have time for this. <laughs> uh, I, too many too, enough reality already <laughs> this is the week i delete twitter <laughs> <laughs> well what i thought was interesting was Encho responded to her and i i saw this tweet thread before i read this book and said like shapeshifting is really common um in that mythology and so i thought it was very fascinating at the end of this book we're doing all spoilers right yeah yeah yeah, yeah at the end the of this go. at the end of this book muna ends up with a tail she's got a tail now love it does she have legs? Yeah. That wasn't clear to me. No, I don't think so. She has a tail. It didn't seem like it. It seems like she like is okay. like it's like a it's mermaid. Like a and it yeah, like mermaids. Yeah. Just slithering. Okay, cool. Yeah. Okay, yeah. that's what I thought. I just wanted to make sure because I wasn't fully clear on it. Um, I was. But it was interesting. Yeah. I. Sorry. No, go ahead. I was just half expecting that Sakti was going to have the top part be snake and the bottom <laughs> part be legs. <laughs> <laughs> but that would be, be so silly. No one could ever do that. Kind of amazing. Yeah. I know. I kind of, I, you know, especially if she could still like talk and so, but that would like fit yeah. her personality. I feel like that, you know, I, I like that. Like good punch up. Like <laughs> I'm a fan of that one. Wham. Ow. Right. <laughs> I feel like you're the, you're the like suit who comes into the room. It's like, yeah, but what if, um, what if, this one were like a snake woman. <laughs> Wasn't I there an episode of Buffy it. like that? Doesn't so much. <laughs> doesn't Sander get a crush on a girl who's really a snake? 
I feel like I've seen that episode, yeah. But right. I mean, Buffy, I, I, think, yeah, I think I've never sounds... seen a single episode of actually. Oh, I man, like Buffy. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm, yeah. I love Buffy, but I'm not sure how much. It, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I, I love it. I don't really like Joss Whedon. I've never yeah. really liked any of his stuff, so I feel yeah. a little bit oh, like well, mad about it. Yeah, You're not gonna like it. Right, right. Like Firefly, yeah. not the biggest yeah. fan. Even though, like you know, I'm sure we've lost half our audience, but you know, <laughs> like not think, not my jam. I think even the people who really loved Firefly, and I count myself among that m- number, like it was kind of my introduction to the fact that TV could be good. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> Because <laughs> I never watched TV as a kid, so I just right, didn't right. really have yeah. any sense of that at all. But I mean, I think even people who are truly diehard fans that are like well aware of its problems at this point, it's it hasn't aged that well. I think I liked it when no, it, not when at it all. Aired, but I don't think I could watch it anymore. Oh, uh, um, I don't know. I don't know if if that's true of like most of its fans. Well, <laughs> in you my could be experience. right. Well, most of the ones who would listen to this podcast. Let's that's say. probably true. That is probably true. I hope our audience I, has we're good pretty, taste. You know, I feel like if they got the- <laughs> at, at this point in the episode, yeah, no, I definitely our listenership like drops at like you know at the hour mark. You definitely see the you know <laughs> this is like the you know like the night call section of the podcast. <laughs> After after hour Let's one, talk aliens. Let's talk about aliens. Let's talk about something. That it's in the literally world. a podcast about aliens. <laughs> literally a podcast <laughs> about books about aliens. Oh, man. <laughs> okay, so here's here's my question for your, uh, both of you. Yeah. If Zencho wrote another book tomorrow, not set in this world, would each of you read it? Yeah, totally. I mean, I read so few books that it's kind of a weird question for me. I'm not uh-huh. like a pro, pro, prodigious reader, prolific reader. Pro bono? I think either of those works. Yeah. <laughs> either either of them work and neither is what I'm going for. I don't read all that much. I would say I would have nothing against it, but I it wouldn't be like, a, oh, yeah, top of the pile for me. Like, I, I wouldn't not read it for sure. Uh, if it sounded interesting to me, like, totally. But I also feel like, you know... It might also be that, like, I, I would also have the expectation that her books probably generally follow, like, tropes and plot, or not plot, tropes and genres that are less interesting to me, too, after reading this. But that's not about her. Great question. I'm sorry, I don't understand the question. Like if she were writing about werewolves, or if she were writing about centaurs, or if she were writing about mermaids. Oh, I don't think I am into human animal hybrid. What if it was like a spider human hybrid? Because you are. I into knew those. you were gonna say that. I know. I like spiders, not spider humans. That's fucking weird. Bring humans to the mix, and they suck. What? hope we all know there's no such thing as spider humans that's like a like what like like a a spider with like hands on it the ends of its fucking feet guys did i tell you all the sweetest thing which is that they tell you how big a spider is based on what kind of a thing it can comfortably hug oh that is very is that real yeah yeah people will be like oh it was it was this big it could comfortably hug a donut so silly why would people (laughs) do that that's so silly It's charming. <laughs> That's bizarre. Okay, I'm I'm very happy. Oh, that. oh, Adrian, if you like spiders, you should definitely read James and the Giant Peach. It has a really good spider character in it. Okay, I didn't know that actually. 
Yeah. It has a bunch of actually insect characters and they're all oh. fucking top notch. I mean, the spider is really good, but they're I mean, all not good. the biggest fan of insects, but do like spiders. Well, I know spiders aren't like technically insects, etc. But there's right. like a centipede that is terrible. Yeah. Oh, I don't like centipedes at all. No, me neither. And you're not supposed it's to terrible. the centipedes in hand. Okay, good, good. There's like good, a wise good. grasshopper or cricket. Oh, I, I forgot okay. about all these. That's fair. I don't really I yeah. so I didn't ever see a cricket until I was an adult Wait, and like what? they freaked oh. me the fuck out. Are you serious? Interesting. How yeah, we don't have them in that, Alaska. Oh my God. We have cicadas more. It's planet, man. <laughs> <laughs> No, no. I don't think I saw a ton of crickets either. I think I just, yeah, my house, was de- they were not, they oh, were definitely yeah. not a bug that came into my house for sure. I don't, I just, I don't like them. You know what? Oh, that's not, you know why that's not true? You no, know, this is, this is actually, you know why that's not true? Because I had a lizard growing up and it ate crickets sometimes, oh, sure, sure, but it didn't. Sure. But it didn't. It wasn't that it ate crickets. It's that it's like it, we got. No, that's not. Tr- never mind. But like some, like we fed it crickets sometimes. That was my only experience with crickets. No, I I fed it. I was the I was the one taking care of it. I'm just saying that like my only experience with crickets is as like gross, disgusting, smelly food for my lizard that it didn't so really want to eat. you your heart against them so that you could justify the mass slaughter that you were conducting? No, they're just, I, they're just gross. I only have gross... Po- potato, yeah. potato. Yeah. Fair, fair. But no, but, I, <laughs> but also I think I, uh, like, a grasshopper is like the big ones, right? I, I don't, I don't know. Because like, there's like ones that are crickets. like bigs. Big, no big ones, right? I don't know. I was just in Costa Rica and saw like saw guys that were like this big. Oh really? Really? Yeah. It's definitely not cicada. It's definitely cicada. Yeah, it's cicada. All right. Well, you guys are gonna be in first. Cicada, cicada. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's adventure pretty effective. <laughs> You know. Right. Yeah. No. I mean, I think what we also learned our is, psyches. Yeah. I think we've learned Adrian should read James the Giant Peach and Pride and Prejudice. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. So Pride and Prejudice Pride and is Prejudice the one. And James and the Giant Peach. Got it. That's the one, right? Okay. I mean, Emma is maybe my favorite, but I think Pride and Prejudice is very like user friendly. I mean, I'm happy to read not user friendly. It's like it's not. None of them are going to be that user friendly to me anyway. So like, give me the better one. Read Middlemarch. They're, I mean, they're both. It's it's hard to choose. They're both really okay. really good. Okay. I, okay. I would. That, I, that's fair. It would be. I would be hard put to choose. Those are my two favorites, and they're Is both really really good. Is one funnier than the other? Um, have you seen Clueless? Yes. Okay, so you know Clueless's plot. Yes. That's Emma. Okay. So if you if you fa- if you generally found the plot of that movie enjoyable, I did, and like amusing, that's Emma. Yeah. Okay. I might go for Emma then. It didn't that didn't they just like release wasn't there an Emma that was supposed to come out on theaters and they released it on the internet instead? There is. I chose not to watch it because there's already a perfect Emma adaptation <laughs> in the world and it's clueless. So it's fair. Amazing. I love it. That's fair. That's absolutely fair. All right. Well, so we give this book uh A plus. A plus. A plus for me oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. I would be like solid like B plus A minus. <laughs> Like my now. biggest regret is that I don't feel like I can read book one now because I feel like I'm happens. so sorry. That's so I'm, like just I'm read so, book I didn't one. Mean to do this no, to you. I just read a different book because I know what's going to happen. So what's the point? You know. You know what you should you do. You don't should read know her. what's going to happen do, though. though. 
A no, little you bit. don't. You, you know, really you really don't. You think you it, do. It's a question of, of uh, is that all you read books for? Is to like know what happens at the end of the book? It's a kind of alchemy, right? You can't use um, you can't use materials that have had their essence already removed, like sucked out. You know, you not can't. Just like, how are you going to make? Yeah, gold? that's not how books work. Regardless, you should read her novelette that won the Hugo because yeah, it's I very, should. That's very charming. Good. Yeah. Oh, very good. What's that one about? Is that same world? If it, um, no, it's not at all. It's called If at First You Don't Succeed, Try, Try Again. And it's about, I believe I'm remembering it correctly. It's about an academic who has a an affair with a dragon. It's good. Mm. So she likes the whole affairs with dragons thing. Who, yeah, that's a, evidently, who, yeah. yeah. Yeah, who wouldn't? Yeah, I feel like I'm pro that. I definitely don't think that's bestiality in any way. No, it's a sentient creature. I right. love a dragon. Like, human clearly creature. That's like... Yeah. Right. Like, yeah, that's the thing about. I feel like people don't understand what's wrong about bestiality. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right. Which like also true, but like, you know, like <laughs> I, mean, I feel like this is again glad glad this is the night call section of the podcast <laughs> that we're having this argument <laughs> or agreement rather. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, anything else we should say? Uh, listen to Reading the End. Readingtheend.com is the blog and podcast, right? Yep. Readingtheend.com is the blog and podcast. And I'm on Twitter at Reading the End. Yes. And also the Goodreads thing, right? Yes. Um, yeah. So Whiskey Johnny and I are both on Goodreads. Uh, I use it somewhat sporadically, uh, <laughs> but I think she's a little better about it. But we're on there as Whiskey Jenny and Gin Jenny. Right. And uh, I am not on Goodreads because it's another thing to do. <laughs> Definitely been told like, oh, a book podcast. You should be on Goodreads. Like, no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> uh, we are on Twitter, though, at SpectologyPod. Also, uh, Spectology.com for our website and uh, at SpectologyPod or just SpectologyPod at gmail.com for the if you would like to email us, we've gotten some like nice emails recently since quarantine. So I always Aww. really appreciate that. Um, thanks to WJ for our music and Noah Bradley for our artwork. Uh, thank you, Jenny, for coming on. Thank you. Thanks thank to, you so much for having me. Yeah. So much. No, anytime. So good. We should do the, I do like the idea of that bonus episode of like children's oh, yeah, books. I think that'd make yeah. a really James phenomenal. James the Giant Peach, maybe. Oh, oh, interesting. I would actually have to read it instead of just saying like, yes, yes, that sounds good. It's and really short. I'm down it's, for whatever. You'll oh, yeah. tear right through it. Okay. Cool. <laughs> well, maybe we can consider that. And then, uh, is there anything else? Am I forgetting anything? No Bradley artwork. Uh, more episodes forthcoming. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Wear a mask. I don't know. Bye. Seems good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now we're going to find out how Zoom recording works. Ooh.